0: The Poorly Made Police Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for a mature audience. The views expressed on this Poorly Made Podcast reflect the opinions of the guests and hosts. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this Poorly Made Podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very Poorly Made Podcast... relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Oh, hey there. Welcome to another fun and exciting edition of the Very Poorly Made Police Memes Podcast. I am your host, Lenny. I hope this podcast finds you well. I'm excited to bring this one to you. I have a retired cop from Florida on the podcast, and she's going to tell us all about how it was to be 90s cop and all the fucking shenanigans they used to do. We're going to talk about being a a community service officer a little bit. And then, last but not least, we're going to talk about retirement stuff, something we haven't really talked about a lot in the podcast. I think it's entertaining. We had fun with it. I think you guys will enjoy the podcast. But of course, I got to give big thanks to Officer Privacy who brings you all your Sunday podcasts. As you guys know, I am a loyal paying customer to Officer Privacy. I signed up for their premium service, which means all I did, fill out a simple form and they took care of everything for me. They took my names off all these people search sites so I don't have to worry about being doxxed. I can't say enough about Officer Privacy. And if you don't know what they do, it's very simple. They remove you from these people search sites. So if you're involved in one of these critical incidents, none of the crazies from Twitter will be able to put your address up there so you have a bunch of friendly folks at your door chanting, chanting and singing peaceful songs, I'm sure, when they are at your door. But nobody wants that. I don't want it. You don't want it. That's why officer privacy is important. Host a whole lot of reasons why officer privacy is important regards to fraud and identity theft and, and that type of stuff. And guess what else is cool? They have a new referral program that's going to save you money. You refer your friends, save a couple bucks. So go check out officerprivacy.com. Find them over on Instagram, Facebook, Officer Privacy, all that good stuff. All right, very quickly before we get into our band and then into the podcast. I mentioned last podcast, I'll mention again. Nominate your buddy to be the officer of the podcast. If they're not being recognized at work, or hell, maybe they're being recognized and they're such a badass, they need to be recognized somewhat nationally, worldly, on this podcast. Shoot me an email, tell me their story, why they deserve to be recognized on the podcast. And if they win, I will read the story on the podcast and I will send them a very special patch. The only people on earth that are going to have that patch are the people that are nominated and win the contest. So make sure you guys are doing that for your buddies. I suppose we should play a little music. How do you guys feel about a little bit of Greenwood, a.k.a. Brownlow? Doesn't matter how you feel. I like it, so I'm going to play it. Here's my buddy Greenwood with Time's Tickin'. We've only got a few nights till you're taking your flight back home. We only hop a one day cause all the others work no play. Let's hit the road. Gonna make the best of the time that we've got. This time it's ticking, this clock that won't stop. So grab your fish and pull your shotgun boots and your boat. Put them in the back of my truck. Cause when I'm going nowhere, we're just going everywhere. Time ticking to you head home. Oh. All right. Now, welcoming to the dungeon from the Sunshine State, Dixie Normus. How are you, Dixie?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I barely got through the name without laughing. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> Glad you like it.
0: <laughs> so, Florida things. I don't, I feel like I've talked to some people from Florida on the podcast before, but I don't think I've really talked Florida man. Is Florida man a real thing or is that something the internet has made up?
1: Oh, no, no, it's a real thing. Welcome to the freak show, state.
0: Why is it a freak show state, though? What about Florida makes it a freak show?
1: I don't know if it's just so many people move here from all over the place or if the heat gets their brain or if they're just doing too many bath salts or meth or what it is. But I'm telling you what. In, in my career, I've seen all kinds of crazy things. And, you know, I, I, I know it goes on around the country, but we just seem to have a special breed that comes to our state to do insanity.
0: I'm really bad at math because I went to public school, but you did 25 years? 26. 26. All right, public school, I'm telling you. <laughs> I imagine you saw a lot of change over those 25 years. But before we get to all that, we got to know, are you having anything to drink tonight? I am. What do I'm you got? doing
1: my my standard Captain and Coke.
0: You you can't go wrong with Cap. That is definitely for sure. And uh, I'm still on my no alcohol kick, although today's been the first day in a long time. I really wanted a beer. Kids will do that to you. I
1: uh, have uh, my niece here. I am not a parent, so I have been practicing parenting this week, and it's been interesting.
0: Yeah, kids are a fucking pain in the ass. That's true. I have passion tea though, which is kind of embarrassing. But, and I've had this little run of podcasts, and anybody listening, you get. I think people think I'm sick for like weeks straight. It's usually like three days in a row. It's only the three days I'm recording, and then you know, then I feel better because that's the way life is sometimes. But I found this tea. You're
1: singing to ghost.
0: <laughs> yeah, it that honestly could be, Papa steering me wrong. That could be it, but. I have passion tea, which I'm a little embarrassed about, but it is delicious. My wife's been hiding it from me, but I've been sick and I needed something and I ran out of my, uh, my lemon tea and here we are. So embarrassing, but I will be back on the liquor at some point. I promise you.
1: Well, so, if you need yingling, can we ship uh, beer interstate? I could send it to you.
0: I, well, let me tell you a story. Everybody likes stories about my liquor life. Not who cares about your career. Fuck that. I thought for sure that Illinois has yingling and I will be visiting Illinois for speak of the devil, literally pun intended, speak of the devil to see ghosts in a little bit here. And yeah, it's going to be cool, but they don't sell yingling. So I have to ask myself, do I drive across to Indiana, which I know has yingling just to get yingling? Is that oh yeah, you that,
1: fill that trunk. You fill that trunk up.
0: Fill the Crown Vic trunk all the way up with Yingling. Yeah.
1: See, originally I'm from outside of Philly, so yes, yeah, so you get you fill that trunk up.
0: I do. I do love some Yingling. That is for sure. I'm, I'm. I think I have two or three left, so I'm getting very, very low. And I mean, that lasted me from about Christmas time. So, wow. You started in the '90s. Why did you get into law enforcement?
1: Uh, You you know, the standard uh, answer that everybody likes to say is, you know, and I was part of this, like, I really uh, wanted to help people, thought I could make a difference. Uh, I was very much a rule follower, and and really, I still am, and uh, liked the law, and uh, enjoyed watching those type of shows on TV, and mysteries, and reading books, and It just, uh, my original, uh, major was education, but I took a couple of forensic classes and criminal justice classes and got zapped by the bug and just went for it.
0: Did you have a career or any other jobs before you started law enforcement?
1: Um, nothing that I would necessarily call a career. I had jobs. I, uh, ironically, I worked in a junkyard. I worked in a library, um, Worked on a couple of college campuses. I was a lifeguard. You know, just the random jobs that you have when you're in your late teens, early 20s, trying to figure out life.
0: At the time, when you're a teenager, I know for me, I thought my job sucked. Hindsight being 20, 20, and maybe it was just those days working. They were so awesome. We got away with so much stuff. The good old Definitely. days. Definitely. The good old Definitely.
1: My my best job was working uh, as a lifeguard on a pool deck when I was in college. And, I mean, I was getting paid to hang out by the pool all day with people I went to college with. <laughs> I mean, hello.
0: That sounds horrible. That sounds like a horrible, horrible job.
1: Yeah, it was horrible. In a can sub- and swimming. <laughs> horrible.
0: I worked at a subway well, I, worked, I had lots of jobs, but one of my favorites that I mentioned on here was a subway. I'm pretty sure, though, all the people that I worked with at that subway have been in jail or prison besides me. Can't confirm. One guy I haven't heard from in about 25 years. Hopefully, he's still mm-hmm. around. He's a good dude. But, or he was a good dude. You never know. Time changes, man. But.
1: So you were a sandwich artist.
0: Fuck yeah, I was. I Not uh that. I still get, you know, it pisses me off. I had some awesome shirts from when I worked at Subway and I'm pretty sure I lost them moving. It's very disappointing, but I still get the same exact sandwich every single time.
1: Oh yeah. I'm one of those too.
0: (laughs) You know what? We're going to start a a new thing at Subway. I want people to go to Subway tomorrow and ask for the PM PM. They're not going to know what the fuck it means, but you'll know what it means and it'll confuse them and it'll be awkward. So you need to do it.
1: All right. What is it?
0: Italian urban cheese, which is cheating because that wasn't an original bread, but footlong Italian urban cheese. You have a choice, but to make it one sandwich, we're gonna go with a ham. Although I do like the the BMT. You do a ham, no cheese because you're lactose intolerant. You get it toasted, a little bit extra mayonnaise because you're fat, a little bit of southwest sauce, lettuce, tomato, green pepper, onions, light on the olives light on jalapenos, and a little black pepper on top, and you've never had anything better in your mouth. That's what she said.
1: I was going to say that sounds loaded.
0: Yeah, I'm fucking hungry now. That's bullshit. Stupid diets. Carbs. Bullshit. But anyway, we should probably talk about police things. So how many police departments did you work for?
1: I only worked for one.
0: Look at you. That's impressive. Yeah, I,
1: I, Well, and I think that's part of like the um, generation that I came in. It was the older guys talked about, like, you know, you didn't move around. This is your home. This is your family. And I really bought into that.
0: My perception could be wrong on this. And, and I'm sure people will let me know after this podcast comes out. But I think generally big city people like the huge departments, you know, more than we'll just say more than a hundred maybe. And I know a hundred is not huge for some people, but it's it's pretty good size. I think if you started an agency about that big and you probably don't leave, maybe you move to one other department towards the end of your career because you're, you know, you're tired. You want to go somewhere smaller in, you know, finish the twilight out in the country or something like that. Generally, I think those people hang around. I think if you start in small town America, you bounce around a lot. I think very few people in those small small agencies and there's a few here and there actually stay for 25 30 years. They they they're usually that's a stepping stone, you know, I'm going to work in this place that has you know 3000 people and I'm going to jump up to a 6000 and then 10000 and 40000 and bigger and bigger populations. I could be way off with that. That's just my perception.
1: Well, I think partially too, at the time I started, you know, it was 1994 and for me being young and I had gone to college and so it was, okay, this is going to be my career and I wanted stability. I wanted a good job. Um, you know, the way I was raised, it was like, okay. You know, you've, you've gone to school, it's time to, you know, fly out of the nest, go make your own way. And so um, fairly young, I got a mortgage uh, in my mid-20s, uh, so it was, it was both the... The dream of, okay, I want to be at one department, I want to be part of this team, I believe in this agency, Uh, when I first got hired, you know, you would hear the older guys talking, and and I think this is true of a lot of uh, rookies when they start. They just think that the senior guys are just salty and complaining. And, you know, we're, we've got, you know, rainbows and sunshine shooting out of our butts and thinks everything's wonderful until you've been there for a while and realize, like, oh, those older guys kind of knew what they were talking about.
0: So in 94, in, and you left in 2019, right?
1: 2021.
0: I am so bad at math. <laughs> when you left, so am when, I. So you basically, you worked in the 90s. You had the, uh, what do we call the the period between 2000 and 2009? Is that like the zeros? I don't know what the official way to call that. The 2000s, I guess. You yeah. had the 2000s, and then you had the uh, the teens. And now a little bit of the roaring 20s. Yes. Granted, not much, but in your opinion,
1: what,
0: <laughs> yeah. what decade was the best to be a cop?
1: Well, of course, I have really fond memories from the beginning. Um, You know, for me, those are my strongest memories, but partially because I was probably pretty stressed out worrying about, am I doing this right? Am I living up to uh, what I'm supposed to be doing and trying to figure it all out, you know, like most rookies? But my favorite time was... um, At one point I was a detective. Uh, We had a rotating detective bureau, so you weren't assigned permanently. But my best time on the department was between uh, 03 and 09. And I felt that I worked in a very good squad. We worked together really well. We put down a lot of cases. There was a lot of uh, cohesion and unity within the unit. Our boss was wonderful. Um, and at that time, uh, and for those of you that are uh, struggling with this, at that time, in a land far away, uh, the prosecution and state attorney's office actually worked with us and prosecuted cases.
0: It's amazing. That's,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it sounds like a fairy tale now.
0: I don't know but, how I don't have fairy uh, a fairy tale soundbite, but apparently I don't.
1: Yeah. But uh, we had a really good... Uh, reputation. um, During that time, uh, my departments, uh, you know, as far as what they brought to the state, and uh, a lot of cases were prosecuted. uh, Back then, I mean, we could call, uh, you know, in Florida, at least where I'm at, they call them the state attorney, not the district attorney, but you could call the the prosecutor up and, you know, have a conversation with them directly. Um, We're one of the few agencies that still did, or few, I shouldn't say agencies, counties, that the state attorney's office still did what was called a live state attorney's investigation. So if you had a felony case, you had to set it was what we called an invest or short for investigation. And we had to meet with the prosecutor and present the case. That still goes on now, but because of COVID, it has changed a little bit. We used to always have to meet in person. Sometimes they're on zoom or uh on phone calls now but that that was something that was unique to the area that i worked in
0: here's what's interesting to me is that that actually happened that there was that cohesion i mean that's that's actually kind of amazing to me because i felt like even when i started you know it seemed like they they work with you a little bit but then after that they you know would dump things a lot and i think Part of it for me is being on patrol like I don't have the inside baseball like a detective knows because on patrol, if your case gets dumped, you just fucking you see the report that the case got dumped, you know, by the detective. You don't see like you don't see the correspondence between the detective and the D.A.
1: Well, even the patrol officers with those felony reports, they still have to go to a state attorney's investigation. The victim has to show up. You invite witnesses. Um, obviously, the defendant's not there um, or suspect at that point. But there's some good a- and bad in it. I mean, you know, we've all had those cases that, you know, maybe the all the elements aren't there, or, but it, it's enough that you got to send it to CYA. But it, it, was, it was decent to go in and be able to a, the prosecutors knew the officers and the officers knew the prosecutors. And as a detective, you would develop even more of a rapport with them. And so back during that time frame, um, like I said, I knew most of the uh, counselors that worked up there. And it wasn't a problem. And, and it was also good as an investigator to be able to, if you got something that was a little hairy or that you had a question about to be able to pick up that phone and call and say hey I have a quick question you know can I run something by you and you got that cooperation by the end of my career uh, other than a few prosecutors here and there that I had known through the years you you just don't get it anymore I mean they're coming out of law school and the turnover rate is tremendous. Their caseload is tremendous, just like ours was. And it's it, you basically are triaging cases and paperwork.
0: Here's a Florida-specific question. Florida is kind of known in the law enforcement community, I think, because uh, the governor there is very pro-law enforcement. And there was like bonuses for people to come to the state or cop bonuses or whatever was going on down there. Mm-hmm. Has that always been the case in Florida? Or is that... No. Okay, so... I guess the way I want to phrase that, no, go ahead. Let's, let's just go off of that. I was it's... just
1: going to say, not that I'm aware of, not that I'm aware of. I mean, obviously, you know, I feel like a dinosaur now, but like when I got hired, um, or even back when I was in the Academy, uh, when, when I graduated the Academy, it was very competitive to try to get a job and it took me a little bit of time. I interviewed with a couple other agencies And luckily for me, where I worked, um, they had received a grant and they needed to hire uh, quite a number of officers at the time. And so I was hired under that grant. But as far as the bonuses and stuff, and I I laugh because even though I worked during COVID, I retired before our governor gave that bonus out. So I I didn't get my bonus check, uh, Governor DeSantis, if you're listening. Uh, I'm, feel free. I'm sure he is.
0: <laughs> so, each one of the yeah. millions. Yeah. What about the? Um, so my perception is that Florida loves its law enforcement. Has that always been the case, or is that even true?
1: Um, I think it just depends on the area where you're at. Uh, I will say the community in the area that I worked. Uh, as much as at times they frustrated me, I did feel that they were very supportive of the officers um, within the community. And especially when I worked as a community officer um, because I was seasoned on the job, like by the time I got into that position, I had about 19 years on the job and that was a good thing for me to go into at that stage of my career because I was kind of burned out and I just had a real negative outlook with the people I was dealing with every day. And going into the community unit that I was uh, a part of, uh, some, some of the things we did were to, we were assigned uh, specific areas and you were kind of like, if you want to call it the sheriff of your own area. And so the little sector that I worked I really got to know the people in there and was in the neighborhoods and talking. And I had to do some of the neighborhood watch meetings and things like that. And, and one of the best things was I actually got to go into businesses, uh, not when they were calling to ask for help, but just to go in. And I was kind of like a liaison to the businesses. So to go in and just say hello, talk to them for a couple of minutes check on them, make sure everything was okay. And for me at the time, with my mindset the way it was, it was a good way of like easing down my career to kind of realize that there were still good people in the community and there were still people that cared. And, you know, to basically say that I just wasn't dealing with shit bags every day.
0: But how are your TikTok moves? <laughs>
1: I don't have any of those. I'm too old for that crap.
0: <laughs> okay. You, you know, and I don't, like, we had a similar unit on our department that did that type of stuff, and they were basically patrol beats. There was an officer for each patrol beat that wasn't, you know, a quote-unquote patrol officer, but they basically, they the liaison to the business and the community there. I think that stuff's a good thing, and it kind of, for me, it it kind of goes into, like, what's, like a good form of community policing. I don't have an issue. Yeah, I with mean, like I, I don't like when those as units as 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 are abused, though. You know what I mean? Where it turns into like, all right, we're going to make hot dogs every single day. We're going to do dance videos.
1: I was just going to say that, um, that that was the thing. When I was in patrol and that unit was formed, I, I was so aggravated by it, if, if I'm going to be completely honest. I'm like, okay, great. It, an, another unit doing a whole bunch of nothing. And that, I think that concept a little bit still exists, but I will say for the time, like when I went in there, I was super burned on patrol. I had been on the same shift and and, and by choice. I'm I'm like you, where I really like to write detailed reports. I love doing investigations and, you know, I would hump calls and we worked 10 hour shifts. So I would, uh, you know, really try to pull my weight as much as I could, because that was part of uh what i was taught by my fto's back in in the day was you know you're assigned to an area and this is your area and you know it doesn't matter if two calls come out that night or 20 calls come out that night if they're in your area you handle it and When I went back to patrol, like I said, we had a rotation in our detective bureau. When I went back out into patrol, I still worked in that mindset, even though I think it had changed, but obviously I didn't get the memo. So when I went to the community unit, one of the hardest things for me the first couple of months was we were on the same channel as patrol initially. And so I would hear patrol basically getting their ass kicked. And I would want to go and back them up or go handle a call or do whatever I could to help them because, you know, that was where my heart was. I'm like, you know, these guys need our help. And at the time I had my sergeant tell me, Dixie, you need to not worry about what's going on out there. That's not your job anymore. So I would be sitting at a grand opening where they were cutting a ribbon and just basically gyrating and bouncing back back and forth because I just thought this is ridiculous. We we shouldn't be here. And, oh no, and I, I agree little, with
0: you on stuff like that.
1: Took me a long time to try to kind of reset my brain to what I was supposed to be doing. And even you know during the time that I worked in there, I, I like I had a hard time with that because, like I said, I had been on the job for a long time by the time I went into that unit.
0: Well, I think if that unit was used properly, and I'm sure most bigger departments have that unit. They're just called different things. But if that unit was used properly, the way I look at it is like, that's your that's your foot patrol beat cop. I'm obviously not on foot, but going into businesses, seeing what the issues are, talking to people in the neighborhood, because believe it or not, there's people in the neighborhood that know everything that's fucking going on. And when you, you know, ours occasionally they would do you know, hey, we're getting fucking hammered with burglaries in this area. They'd fucking ball up and say, all right, let's, uh, we'll stay up tonight and we'll, you know, we'll put a team out there and, and try and catch this guy. So it was cool that they would do that. It was almost like having an extra proactive team out there and they had a lot of variety in what they do. I don't like when it gets away from law enforcement functions. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like uh, the national night out, okay, that's fine. That's cool. You know, maybe something in the summer, but, you know, if you guys are doing community events just to kind of be there and, and smile and wave and kiss babies. No, fuck that shit. We need to be use, go talk to people, be a, a community liaison, but also solve crime. That's the way I look at those type of units.
1: As did I. And, and like you said, I, I got a lot of good information from the neighborhood that I covered or worked in. And, um, and I made some good friendships that actually, even since I've retired, you know, there's a couple of people I still keep in contact with. And I'll be honest, that really surprised me. I, I I don't know why. I mean, I know there's decent people in the world, but I just didn't expect that.
0: You know, I got to be honest. Not expecting decent people sounds pretty normal to me. So, <laughs> can you so tell you- us a little bit about the patrol car that you had in that unit?
1: Oh, well, it might dox me a little bit, but I don't care because I'm retired. So I was assigned as my take home vehicle for that unit. I drove a marked smart car and somebody thought it'd be real funny to put a police, uh, interceptor, uh, you know, emblem on the back that they took off of one of the cars. (laughs) Yeah. I left it there. I wasn't the first person that drove that car, but, um, and it, you, it had a, and I was actually thankful for this. It had a hitch on the back of it for a Segway because we had Segways in our unit. We had a Polaris, um, uh, bicycles, you know, all, all, all the gadgets. And the smart car had, uh, uh, you know, it, it was fully lit. I mean, it had the red and blue lights in it and a siren and the whole shebang. And every once in a while, we would have to do uh, traffic details, which anybody uh, that knows me knows I am not your traffic car. That is not my forte, never has been, never will be. And, uh, but we had to do uh, a seatbelt detail. And I have to say that might've been the angriest I ever saw anybody. Cause I had to stop a guy in a, in a pretty good sized truck, you know, like the, with the big tires and, and I pulled this guy over and people were driving by and taking pictures as they drove by of my little car with the lights going behind this truck. And honestly, you know, and I can say it now, the statute of limitations is out, but I just didn't have the heart. I could not write that guy the seatbelt ticket because I felt so I thought he had been humiliated enough with me behind him for the five minutes I was there with everybody driving by and photographing him. So he got got a warning and a stern talking to, and, you know, that was that.
0: I... Why? I don't get... Okay, first of all, I'm dumbfounded that smart cars have a hitch for a Segway. That is the worst thing I've ever heard.
1: I'll be honest with you. I liked it back there only because if you've ever seen a smart car and you know how like flat that back is, the first week I drove that car, I was scared to death because, you know, most people have pretty good sized SUVs or, you know, the area that I worked in there was a lot of, you know, larger pickup trucks and raised vehicles, and those vehicles would come up behind me like come into a stop at a red light. And I was so thankful that Hitch was back there because I thought I'm about to be creeped.
0: I don't know how they're fucking street legal, to be honest with you.
1: I'll tell you what, I, I would not. I mean, it, it after a while, it kind of became fun to drive that car around because it just, once you got used to the car, uh, one of the best parts of the car was there was no backseat. So I never had to transport anybody in my car. And, you know, there's certain people that we both know, you don't want to put in your car. So that was a nice excuse of like, uh, hey, I need somebody else to come by (laughs) and pick this guy up for this gallop. But um, it just, I wouldn't pull out in front of anybody, like, because the car was great once it got going. But the pickup on it from the onset, from like a dead stop, scary.
0: I'm just going to tell you right now. If I ever put in for a special assignment and they told me there was a possibility that I was going to be issued a smart car, I would pull my application for the special assignment.
1: Well, since since that time, the the smart car has been retired, uh, and now they have a a nice new vehicle that's not a smart car that has a wrap on it, and it looks very... Very beautiful. But, you know, back back when the unit was created, the idea behind that vehicle was to, it was so different that it would attract people to come talk to you. Which it did. I mean, I, I can't deny that. Uh, Of course, at the time, I'm like, hey, I I don't want to talk to you, (laughs) but but that was my job. And so, you know, that's what I did. People would come over. Hey, can I take a picture with the car? Can I look in the car? It it was good to take to um, like preschools and like when you were doing stuff at the schools. uh, You know, I didn't care. I I let all those little crumb crawlers climb all into my car and you know they had a ball in it and it was just their size as I used to say it looked like the um what was that little cartoon movie with the little rabbit that's what it reminded me of you had four kids I have no kids I can't remember the name of that movie
0: I don't know the name of the move, movie either but I it doesn't matter what you say to justify that car it will never be okay with me
1: <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm not saying it was okay. I'm just saying it was. That's what I was assigned, and that's what I drove, and I tried to find the, the joy in it. I mean, listen, it was no Crown Vic, and that was my vehicle.
0: I, as the kids say, I am shook. I am shook by the smart car. I'm very upset and triggered by it. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back to the podcast. I want to talk to you about my buddy Brad Williams over at Police Fit. You guys see him on the page every single Monday on Poorly Made Police Memes. Brad's going to help the new applicants and active officers smash their fitness and regain their health. Brad has 11 years experience in the fitness industry, 17 years in the military, and is also a first responder. He's going to share his experience and expertise to help applicants get their dream job and help active first responders regain their health. That's Police Fit. And I'll have a link for you on the podcast description. Back to the podcast. I got a question for you because this is my own curiosity. and It's kind of a dumb question. But when you started in 94, did you guys have in-car computers?
1: We did. Um, they were very basic uh, compared to... Well, I, I say, let me clarify. When you say in-car computer, we had a, what was called an MDT, and then we typed our report, so you're going to love this, you might not even be old enough for this, on a Radio Shack Tandy computer.
0: I don't know what that is. I thought you were going to say a typewriter, though.
1: No, no. Uh, and we have a lot of handwritten reports, but the Radio Shack Tandy, yeah, you should look that up on Google. It, it's a beautiful thing. It was like this almost indestructible keyboard and it would only hold a certain number of characters. So if you had a long report, which I'm a long report typer and uh, so I would wind up having to do several supplements, but you would take this, well, first you would hang it on the steering wheel using two, two, three uh, rounds that you would stick into the back of it. And that's why I got like tendonitis real bad in my wrist because of the way I type because you'd hang it on your steering wheel. And so imagine your hands being like straight, but your wrist like, you know, basically at a a 90 degree angle typing. And I would type all this stuff in and then you would take your candy and go into the station and plug it into this uh, printer cable and it would print out in all capitals and you know on like a I don't want to say it was a dot matrix printer I don't think it was I mean it might have been I don't really remember but I can just remember like you know the report coming out and you had to put uh, so many spaces so you could get paragraphs between otherwise it just looked like this ginormous all capital letter run-on sentence that went on and that was our reports. And then, you know, of course, back then, if you turned it in and the sergeant found um, errors in it, uh, it, it reminded me of being in high school a little bit, it, they'd take the red, red pen to it and then mark through it. And then you'd have to go back in and and kind of scroll up and find that uh, word and fix it or fix whatever they wanted fixed and pray that you didn't erase your whole report in the process. <laughs>
0: Here it is, twenty five or twenty six years later. Math, and there's still departments they do not have computers in their car. Pretty wild. Yeah,
1: that 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 is wild to me.
0: Now, the MDT did that assist with dispatching, like it would give you call notes and uh, stuff like that.
1: Correct, and uh, yeah, so you you'd get the the call on the screen, and then you could send messages car to car, which the the thing with the MDT back back then that used to be fun was the the way the screen laid out. Like I could send a message to you, like let's say your number was one, two, three and mine was, you know, four, five, six, but then dispatch was seven, eight, nine. I could send you a message and then put seven eight nine and make it look like it came from dispatch. And <laughs> so we used we used to screw with each other relentlessly. And of course this is I mean, I'm sure they could have pulled up the screen somehow and I think they were able to, but I, I mean, uh, at the time when, when I first started, when I was in the academy, I dated somebody in the academy and we got hired together, but because of the nepotism policy, we broke up because of that, because we both needed a job and, you know, and that was cool. It was no big deal. And so we went... Uh, uh, the ex, myself, and one of our other academy mates wound up working on the same shift. So unbeknownst to me one night, my, my buddy is sending my ex, oh, I, I really miss you. Can, can, can we meet up? I want to talk. I miss you. And, and sending all these crazy messages to him that I had no idea. And so then when I actually did send him a message because I needed to talk to him about a call we went on, like by the time he pulled up to me, he's all like, "I can't believe you're sending me this stuff." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And then we realized it was our, you know, prankster buddy. So that's back when you could still have a little bit of fun—the
0: glory days of law enforcement. I, I gotta say, so my dad was a cop during that era, and he's still on the job. And like that type of shit is the shit I would hear from him. And I'm like, "God, policing is great." a fun job you get to do really great stuff and you get to have fun
1: well and, and i came on when the radios they were just getting the radios with the identifiers on but there was still some that didn't have them and they weren't all issued and that was great too because somebody would say something on the radio and you you know like me i have a pretty recognizable voice so i couldn't get away with it that often but i mean these guys and gals they'd key up and they'd say stuff across the radio especially on midnight shift and it was hilarious i mean absolutely hilarious like i i mean this was when we had identifiers but one of the girls uh that i worked with uh she checked out one night and she she was young rookie and said you know, I'm out with a, a dog and he's blade, bleeding from the rectum and one of my other good friends like keyed that mic right up and was like rectum damn near killed him and like we're <laughs> rolling out of the car you know <laughs> <laughs> like the tapes that I wish I had like recordings of you know, because it was it was funny stuff you
0: know I heard stories about farts lots of farts into the radio in the middle of the night Nobody knew who they were.
1: Yep. Yep. And, and of course, before GPS, you could also, um, I shouldn't admit to this, but, uh, you know, there was the transient relocation program.
0: That and so, That's yeah,
1: I, I think it amazing. still happens, but I think it's a little harder with the GPS now.
0: I just take them to the, the line, city line. Maybe a block over. It,
1: it was always funny when you saw another car come in, because like, as a detective one time, I, I saw another uh, officer, and, and I knew him, and came into our city and dropped one off in the median. And and it was actually day shift, so it was pretty funny. And so I called that department, and I asked their dispatch, hey, can you send you know officer so-and-so a message and just type, I know what you did, and I'm bringing him back. <laughs>
0: Okay, so that story about not having GPS and no identifiers, it it reminded me of a story. But then it also got me thinking about. In a bad situation, how much more geography was important, but let's start with the fun thing first, I heard a story. I don't know if it's true that there were departments back in the day that on night shift they would kind of challenge each other, like to see how far somebody could get out of the city. And if they could get back before the shift ended. I don't know if you've ever oh, heard of that absolutely.
1: Anything. No, okay. that absolutely went on on the shift that I was on. And um, one of the officers, you know, and again, I'm not going to give up my area, although I probably already have, but um, there's a pretty long bridge that goes to an adjoining town and so what you had to do was bring a receipt back to prove that you made it that far so you would take your person to a convenience store a a drive-thru whatever to get a receipt to prove that you had gone this that far and so one of the senior guys that I worked with He, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm like green, I wouldn't do anything like this back then I was, you know, like brand new, fresh out of the gate. And he took the, the guy to another county and came back with a receipt from a drive through down there. And I mean, this isn't like a little bridge. This is like, it was going to take this guy days to get back to where we were. And, and that was accepted back then and like i laugh and i think my god now if you did something like that oh like it, you'd be just crucified now nah, it's funny uh, or elsewhere yeah there's no way
0: see guys the job used to be fun
1: yeah used to be fun can you
0: can you pinpoint the year that it stopped being fun if you had to put a, a year on when the job stopped being fun, we're putting a lot of pressure on here, but what year you I, think the job died?
1: Even though I, you know, like I said, the, the the period of time that I loved being in the detective bureau, I mean, I was up there three times. I loved all three times, but that second time was absolutely, I think I chased that the rest of my career trying to find that cohesion again. And, but I will say, I, I believe Probably 2007, 2008, things were starting to shift. And then I kind of felt a little isolated from what was going on. I mean, when I went back to patrol, I hadn't been, you know, back there for a while. So I went back to patrol in 2009. I was starting to see some changes. Um, I was out for eight months due to a, a serious injury. And... By the time I came back in like 2010, I was like, "What the, f- the hell is going on around here?" You know, I same thing. Like when I we'd take the cases up to the state and just people's attitude, um, you know. And I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not going to get into too much politics, but I would say during the Obama era is when things changed drastically.
0: Wait and, a second. And- he was going to unify he unified the country.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, he unified us all right.
0: I I will repeat the story because it's worthy if I I think I mentioned it a time or two on the podcast, but I remember having a conversation very clearly with a good friend about Obama and I said, "You know what? I don't necessarily agree with the guy's politics, but you know what? This 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 is going to I think go a huge way with race relations in this country." Holy shit, was I wrong? Boy, yeah, I've boy never been wrong. so wrong in my life. How did it get worse? How did we elect a black guy and it got worse? We're racist. I,
1: yeah. We're, we're racist. all racist. And, That's
0: what it is. And I thought the same
1: thing. I was like, you know, kind of hopeful. And, uh, you know, and I just think it's just been declining, declining, declining. I mean, initially, when, during the Clinton era, I was working child abuse, and one of the things that I noted when I was doing child abuse investigations, and especially, um, you know, some of the interviews that I had involving teenagers, and, you know, one of the questions, depending on their age, would be, have you ever had sex before? And I would get, no. And then two seconds later, they were telling me, you know, how they were performing oral sex on someone.
0: Thanks, now, I don't
1: know. Maybe, maybe I'm just freaking old, but at the time I wasn't that old. And I thought, well, isn't that sex? Clearly it's not, you know, the president said it wasn't.
0: He changed the definition. That's for sure.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and that really, you know, during, cause that was kind of my tra- working investigating child abuse was kind of like the niche that I got into early on. Um, that was what I wanted to do. Um, Obviously, I didn't enjoy what happened to the children, but I certainly enjoyed trying to investigate and put the people that caused them harm in in jail or prison. And so, yeah, that was just something that I noted as my career went on, the the different definitions and what was acceptable and what wasn't. And so, yeah, politics definitely affects uh, you know the population and and the communities for sure
0: unrelated but i wanted to jump back to something we were talking about a minute ago as far as radio identifiers and stuff like that but it sounds like when you started you know it wasn't such a big deal and that stuff was starting to happen but this is just a a psa because i felt like it was necessary to say a psa public service announcement did i say it right i did it i was like i I got it confused with uh what's it's uh when you're uh, too much affection public what's that
1: Oh, uh, PDA. Public... Yeah. It? Public Displays of Section. Yeah.
0: PTA. I don't know. I'm confused. That happens. But anyway, a public service announcement. Sometimes equipment doesn't work. Don't rely on fucking computers. Know where the fuck you are. End rant.
1: Uh, I, yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. Um... Maybe it was from my days of driving around in the 90s or late 80s, early 90s, delivering car parts. I had a very good, I don't know, understanding of the way the streets and roads were in our county and in other counties. And I have to say that was the one thing that bothered me um, was towards the end of my career is I would get in the car with some of these younger uh, officers and go places and immediately, and I'm not against technology by any stretch, but immediately they're punching in an address. Okay, fine, you know, I might know how to get there. I would try to school in the old fashioned way, but I would say to them, do you know what street you're on? Do you know what streets are around where we are? Like if this shit goes bad, you better know where the hell you are. And, and I was a stickler for that. I would make them put the phone away, and try to teach them like hey this is how we use a map and this is you know street what is it streets one run one way avenues run the other you know the grid especially the one city in our area is a grid it's like come on you got you gotta know where you're at
0: yeah and I know it's some places are kind of crazy it's like spaghetti noodles on a map but A lot of the older places, the the grid of the streets is pretty easy to figure out. So it takes some time to learn that because it could save your ass. And especially if you're assigned a a beat every single day, know your alleys. Know where dead ends are. Know where canals are. Know where ditches are. That stuff is invaluable when Mm -hmm. you're in a foot chase and you, instead of having to worry about, oh, shit, where the fuck am I? you can concentrate on what you should be doing instead of having to worry about something else too. I mean, I know when I was in, I think that in FTO, that's kind of hard too, because you're trying to learn streets and you're trying to learn everything else. And I get, you know, I'm a little 50, 50 on FTOs, not letting people use technology. I mean, it's there. They should be able to use it and know how to use it. But I think you also need to know how to use it when it's not there. And I remember being a foot chase as a young cop. And I, knew where we made the stop and now since i'd been on you know now i could tell you exactly where i was um because i worked that beat quite a bit but i just remember running into these townhouses and thinking all right i know i ran south and maybe east and i've got this guy in handcuffs but i have no fucking clue where i am and uh you know all i could say you know people are asking where i am you know i get on the radio well i'm in between the buildings uh i think this is a number i see So, and it's tough in between buildings, but just know your beat. If it changes every day, fuck your life, but uh, try and know your beat.
1: And and you know what? Even some senior guys, sometimes like they lose the direction. I think, you know, we're going to teach you about it, but even if you have to say, I'm running towards the McDonald's, I mean, use a landmark. That's okay. At least it, it tells somebody where you're at. Or which direction
0: you're headed. I'm directly under the sun. (laughs) Right. I heard that. Uh, I heard of a story at my old department, but then I've also heard that from several other folks. So uh, that's, that has happened several times throughout the country for sure. Now this is a little out of order of what I normally do, but since we're, we're going through the decades here, nineties, did you guys have those sweet caprices or what did you guys have?
1: We had mainly Crown Vicks. I mean, I started in the Crown Vic LTD, which I was like 100 pounds soaking wet. So I looked like, you know, I had, had senior officers that w- would tease me. Hey, do you need a pillow? Can you see over the steering wheel? Like, who, who is that a remote control car in front of me? Because it was that big square box. And then I don't remember us having Caprices. If, if we had them, Either I was just so junior I wouldn't have ever touched one, but I, I don't recall us having that. I think our fleet was
0: all Fords. I guess since we're there, super out of order, but since those were the only cars you drove, if what was your favorite patrol car? And I swear I will hang up on you if you said a smart car.
1: Oh, no, no. My favorite was the Crown Vic. I, th- I think mine was like the 07 that I just, as I got seniority, they came to me and said, you know, dixie uh your senior because a lot of stuff was by seniority uh we want to give you a new car and by that point they were going to the impalas and you know different the tahos were coming in and different things and i hung on to that crown vic when i was in patrol for as long as i could hold it i loved my car
0: there you have it folks the crown vic and i'm sure (laughs) you could get on my website and find all kinds of great crown vic merch
1: Oh well, I've found lots of merch. You're making me broke, and uh, you're, the, the you're one putting,
0: that I was gonna say, you're putting my my kids to college, so thank you. No, well, when no, I say when college, I, I mean I, I'm giving them ramen noodles. But
1: yeah, well, and and I consider that with every purchase, and and I just uh, I just got some things from you, and then I no sooner got my stuff that you came out with that great detective bod shirt, and I'm like, oh come on. <laughs> So I got to get my order in before the uh, end of the month on that one, because that's going to be some gifts for some folks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I have way too much shit on there. I'm always going like a million miles a minute. I'm like, oh, what about this T-shirt? I actually worked on something all day today. It was really funny. And then I realized that the verbiage on it is confusing and I it's probably not going to work. And I was like, fuck, I spent like three hours on perfecting that today. But that's okay. That's awesome. I'll figure it out. But
1: I'd like to thank Dave for, uh, you know, his his phrase that he provided you on Facebook because uh, I appreciate that. Uh, at my request, you made that into a beach towel, and it's just been going everywhere with me. I took that's it to Adventure cool. Island this past week. Put it on a lawn chair.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> I Dave. I love it. Dave may be on the podcast at some point. Uh, we were we we're gonna try and get that figured out at some point. So. Oh, he's so? actually, the, the conversations I've had with him in the, the DM, he's cool. He's, he's, he's fine. Um, But, you know, that comment just fucking cracked me up. So it, it had to be Oh,
1: something. no, I, I loved it. And it was funny because I, if I'm being honest, I was one of the ones when you were like, should I make merch with this? I voted no because I was like, eh. but then when I saw how that was designed, oh, that was magnificent. Magnificent. Love it.
0: It's amazing what I can do when I actually take a few minutes and not half-ass it.
1: No, it, it's just laid out so beautifully. I couldn't have been happier when I saw it. I was like, "Wow, oh, I voted no for this, and I'm buying two towels." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to ask a little bit, and I, I don't know what to really rank it against because I, I only went to one academy at this point in my life. But what was the academy like? in the early nineties, was it, and I guess, can you compare it to anything else? I mean, did, did you see what the academy evolved into? Like, do you know how much different it was or is this kind of a question you can't answer?
1: I would say I can't really compare it to anything. Cause like you, I, I only went to one academy. Um, you know, I would go down there for training courses through the years and I would see some differences. But uh, I think it was a little tougher when I went through. Um, you know, you were expected to tough it out. It's like they didn't want any, any crying or belly aching or, you know, excuses for this or that. And, you know, like I said, I was a pretty small frame female. Um, you know, defensive tactics, that was tough, uh, you know, for me at the time and uh we had to do some uh they wanted to simulate like if you got in a fight on the street so uh we had to do some wrestling in there and in fact i I was talking to my one buddy um today that i was in the academy with that we're still pretty tight and we got to laughing talking about the academy because back then there was some tactic, I don't even remember what it was, uh, when I had to like straddle him. And I remember him like laying on the on the mat. And he's like, well, if you feel anything uh, come up, don't say. it." <laughs> <laughs> and I just think like, like, you know, if you said anything like that now, I, I mean, you'd have to say it under your breath. And God knows who would be offended. But like, we still laugh about that. I mean, that was like the joke, you know, it was like, it didn't matter if you were male, female, what you were. You were expected to do all the the requirements that were there. It, did, it didn't matter who you were.
0: It makes me sad, the death of comedy. I think it exists, I mean, within our hearts.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: But, you, you know, I think it exists within like your your small circle, but you can't huh. say shit. That you used to be able to say, which, you know, I go back and forth about, you know, the social decorum thing like, I, you know, I, I hope people hear me when I say that I don't think, you know, we need to go to like the 1950s television and talk all prim and proper. But I mean, there's a time to act properly, but then there's also a time to, you know, it's okay to laugh and people are just so fucking uptight about shit anymore. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. if if I made a boner joke in my academy, I was gone. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, no. I mean, we were horrible to each other, but yet, I mean, we spent 20 weeks together, and I will say our class was very tight. And then, as I, uh, as I said, um, the department I went to work for, they got a grant, and out of my academy class, nine of my classmates were hired. So we, they they had to bring us in in two sections because they couldn't take all 10 of us at the time. They didn't have enough FTOs. So they started five and then um, I think the rest of us came in two or three weeks later. But that was a really great experience to, because you, you weren't going through it alone. And we had already goofed and spent so much time together and making fools of ourselves. So when we had training as rookies, there was nine of us that we were used to being around each other and making fools of ourselves. So it, it was no big deal. And, and so that camaraderie, I really enjoyed that at the beginning of my career, as far as uh, the camaraderie that continued amongst us. And I think our FTOs really like that as well, because the interaction was real good.
0: So I'm going to ask you something that if you guys listen to the podcast, uh, probably a couple weeks ago now with my good friend, Anne, she started a little after you did. So you had a little more, you had more experience kind of what I'm going to call back in the day. Sorry, I'm not trying to date you or anything, but back in the day, it. was it, do you think it was harder back then to be a female in law enforcement? And again, I, I, I don't like the identity things, but I, I just like to now, hear people's perspective. Right.
1: Um, I think it, it's, you know, I think it's hard for an officer period I do think there are some special things that come with being female. I I think each generation, like I feel like the females before me paved the path to make things a little bit easier for me. And I certainly hope that I paved the path to make those behind me a little bit better and so forth. I know in the beginning, like when I got hired and it, it was funny because I didn't see this until, uh, probably a year before I retired. But in my initial uh, interview, they, you know, the the people that sat on the board wrote notes and so forth. And it was in my employee personnel file and I had never seen this document. And one of the administrators at the time, and, and granted, I was a small frame female, five, five, 100 pounds soaking wet when I got hired. Wish I could say that when I retired, but not so much and uh, and so uh but they had he had written something to the effect of uh he was concerned about my safety and whether I would be able to handle myself and I'm not saying that that was a you know an untrue statement by any stretch but I, I do think when I started the other females that were on the job and I was certainly guilty of this uh when I worked, you didn't just get welcomed into the club. And I think the other female officers were more critical than the men to make sure that you knew the job and you had to prove yourself. And you, you know, and I felt pressure to work harder and uh, prove that even though my, I was small in stature that I could do the job and back you up and that i wasn't going to leave you even if i was getting thrown around like a rag doll and you know lucky for me early in my career something like that happened and i had a very senior officer vouch for me and was like she never left me i will take her anywhere and i I know i've heard on your previous podcast that you had a female uh officer partner And, you know, I've always enjoyed that you like have sang her praises and, uh, you know, that's important to us. So I don't know if it was harder. I kind of went off on a tangent there, but uh, I I definitely think we were hazed a little bit more back in the day.
0: And again, I, I started, you know, way after you. Again, I'm not trying to make you seem old. My experience when I started, and I can only speak for me, but I just... At least in my department, which I trashed my department a lot, and hindsight being twenty twenty, I'm learning maybe things weren't so bad internally within like the the officer rank, but or, you know, officer sergeant, you know, beyond that, they're a bunch of fucks. But people didn't care if you were white, black, Hispanic, male, female, gay, lesbian, whatever. If you could do it, you could do it, and I, I. I never had witnessed any kind of circumstance where people were like, Oh yeah, that oh, fucking chick can't do the job or that eh, that guy's gay. He can't do it. I never witnessed that, which was cool because, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up and you know, I've talked about it in the, the prior podcast. Like I've just kind of, that was the way I brought up. I was brought up is just like, Hey, we're all just human beings kind of thing. Who gives a shit. And it was, so going into that environment, I, it was, that was nice. I never felt it. Now, I know talking to my female counterparts there, they felt that. That, you know, it was harder because, you know, they were gals or that guys looked at them differently. I never I never perceived that. I never had guys come up to me and say that shit. So I know there's people out there that think that that girls can't be cops. I think we're we can't deny that for the most part, guys are much bigger than girls. That's a thing. I mean, that's we're Absolutely. born. that way. But I, I've like I said, my my female partner, one of my best friends in the universe, I never worried about her not being able to to hold her own. And that she always did whenever we had anything to happen. So we, we've seen videos where, you know, there's I, I know there's one specific and I want to say it's in New York where partners getting beat up and the females just kind of standing there letting them get beat up. But then I've seen videos of male partners doing the same thing. So I think when it's the opposite sex, we t- tend to, or I don't want to say we, but society tends to, the guys are like, oh, fuck that, you know, see, that just proves that chicks can't be cops because one, one girl, I mean, look at the the thing in Minnesota or where it was Minnesota where, you know, she shot the guy and she thought it was her taser. Oh, girls can't be cops. Girls can't be cops because of that. Holy shit. Every single fucking crazy thing that's happened in the last two years that's the only one that I can remember with a female cop, right? Everything else was guys. So ho- hold on a second, like just fucking hold your horses. Yes, guys are bigger and stronger than girls for the most part. Not always true, but uh, gals bring a lot to the table too. Girls are better at things than guys are, and guys are better at things. And I think I talked about this in other podcasts. Is everybody has different strengths? I think it was actually the one with Anne. Everybody has different strengths. Play to your strengths. Know your weaknesses.
1: Absolutely. And if you don't have any
0: weaknesses you're full of shit
1: and, and in hindsight you know i think back to some of the early days and you know i, I would admit now I, I probably didn't realize it then but some of it might have even been my own insecurities of trying to live up or, or thinking i was being judged maybe i wasn't i, I don't know but i always felt like because I was this, you know, small statue female, like I had to come out of the gate and prove that, you know, I could stand there and take whatever verbal abuse was, you know, going to be thrown my way, and I would be in the fight. And, you know, I wasn't going to leave anybody. And I, I, I definitely, looking back, felt that I worked harder to show like, I'm here, I can do it.
0: You know, and I can, I can think of a specific circumstance where, there was a feeling with somebody where they're like people in an apartment don't trust me because I'm female. And my thought was, Oh no, it has nothing to do with that. You're a female. You know what I'm saying? But it's one of those things that, and I, I don't want to get too into this, but sometimes people just kind of have that victim mentality. And it's like, all right, well, why don't people like me? Can't have anything to do with my personality or that I'm a terrible person. It's because I'm this or that. And that's I think that's lost on a lot of people is like, the perfect example is that there's the Star Wars. A lot of people had an issue with the um, I forget the character, but it was a black actress. I thought she was fine. I thought she played the the character fine in, in the Vader thing. I didn't have a big issue with it. But there were, you know, I saw some things where people were like, no, I thought she was she's a terrible actress. She didn't do very well. Well, that's racist. No, that's not racist. You, <laughs> right. You it's an be opinion. Critical of somebody. That happens to be different than you. And if you can't, then we all need to shut the fuck up because free speech does not exist at all whatsoever anymore.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
0: But here we are. Getting I'm getting a little heated here. I gotta calm down. Have a sip of my passion tea. Have,
1: have some passion fruit. Get that passion back.
0: <laughs> all right. Let's talk about this. Cause I'm I'm curious about this. I've had a few people that have retired. Well, you know what? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. But generally, I don't know what you're doing now. I, I didn't ask. So I guess I'm not very good at asking questions. But I've had people come on that have left the job and are a little bit older. There's another old joke for you. But not. you're not old, though. You're not really that old. But I, I've people have left and, and gone to do other things, maybe haven't quote unquote retired. And you've, you've said you have retired. So I guess where I'll start. Is Are you doing anything else now or are you just kind of fucking done and enjoying life?
1: For right now I'm done and enjoying life. I am trying to, I call it decompress and return to being a somewhat normal human. And I think that's going to take some time.
0: I guess we're, we're, we're going to go from, well, let me ask you this. Do you plan on getting back into the workforce? Like, a, like an actual if, career, maybe just work part-time, make a couple bucks or something.
1: Uh, I, there's some hobbies that I have that I may parlay into, uh, you know, something that yeah would give me a little part time paycheck or or something like that. But um, I, I know I'm not getting back into law enforcement. Uh, I, I feel, and it's sad because I always felt that that was a calling for me. As far as the investigations, I felt that I was skilled in that area of law enforcement, and. And and maybe I'll feel differently. I mean, I've I've only been retired uh, just over a year. Um, Maybe I'll feel differently down the road. But for right now, the way that it is and the direction it's going, I just don't want to absolutely no part of it.
0: So this line of questioning is going to be kind of manic because I didn't make notes. And I'm curious about a lot of it. Okay. So being retired, do you get bored?
1: Uh, initially, uh, when I left, I had a lot of um, kind of family obligations and and things because that's the thing you do a twenty six year career or, or longer or whatever you're missing all kinds of holidays, all kinds of reunions, you know, all kinds of everything. So I felt that I owed it to my family to do some certain things when I first retired and, and maybe Odin is not the right word, but you know, I wanted there to be my presence at certain functions because I did have that support. And when I say family, I, I'm not married. I'm one of those unicorns. I'm not, I've never been married. I don't have kids um, and I'm straight. And uh, <laughs> so
0: I'm glad you, you know, made my, that joke because I thought about doing it, but I decided against it. But you're allowed to.
1: Yeah, yeah. Straight, unmarried, no kids female. Put my number out there. <laughs> and so um, you know, I, I felt for my parents and my siblings and some of my cousins and stuff that there were things that I needed to do. So, no, I wouldn't say that um, that I'm bored. Initially, the first couple of months, I had, you know, like things to do with my family and, and all of that that I had scheduled. And then I did a little bit of traveling. And then uh, when I finally came home and, you know, kind of sat with myself, if you will, I wouldn't call it bored. It's just an adjustment um, because you go from... Basically being balls to the wall all day, every day with high stress and, you know, trying to meet all your obligations. And I retired as a detective. So my caseload was uh, pretty good. And I was trying to clear everything out before I left, which luckily I was able to do. But, um, and and I I know I've typed you this in the past, that felt bored. I just even know if that's the right word. I just felt like I needed to sit and just kind of heal. And that was about the time that you started your podcast. And so I was missing being around people and the camaraderie and, you know, the ball busting and, and jokes and stuff that we would say and do to each other every day. And you feel a little invisible when you first Or I can only speak for myself. That's kind of how I felt. It was like, you know, there's people that you see every day that you talk to every day. And at 50 years old, all your friends, most of them are still working. So for me to retire at 50 and not do anything, what I found was, hey, I don't have anybody to call during the day because they're all at work.
0: So what you're saying is my podcast saved your life.
1: Absolutely. It's like, (laughs) I mean... I was so thankful for when your podcast started. I even, even though it was horrible, I even enjoyed <laughs> um, <laughs> because to me, it was the beginning of something. So I feel like you left your department and you were trying to find your way. And I had retired from my department and was like, okay, what's the future holding me? And I feel like we're kind of going through this together. And I, you know, some people are like, "Why are you listening to police podcasts?" They're like, "You're done with that." But you know what? Like, if you're a true cop, that doesn't leave you.
0: Man, that's the market I need to hit: is retirees.
1: I mean, I I love it, and I've talked to you up to several of my friends, and I and even some ones that are still working. I'm like, you guys need to be listening to this in the car. Uh, you know, there's so many of your episodes that would have had when i was going uh, through you know work in the streets and just different things because you've had a lot of people on that have really provided some excellent information so even though you're not still technically on the job you're on the job buddy you're just providing a different service to your fellow brothers and sisters and i'm proud of you keep going
0: thank you thank you i thanks for my service you know, I guess what I'll have to do is when the, they're handing out jitterbugs to the uh, retired cops, you know, try and set them up with my podcast, too. I And let me know if this is too personal, but do you think you'd have to work again? Or are you good to go if you wanted to be good to go?
1: I, I think I'm good to go. I tried to um, really set myself up. And, you know, of course, I understand with you know, no marriage, no kids, that puts me in a different position. But uh, I also didn't have dual income either. So, um, you know, I had to be fairly fiscally conservative, as I went through my career. And Luckily I bought my house in nineteen gosh I've been here 25 years uh, ninety six I guess so luckily I hit when it was a buyer's market and Florida's going crazy in the housing market right now at least in the area I am in so i I don't know how these younger people are handling these mortgages but for me I was able to pay off my house by the time I retired and that was by design i uh, I definitely budgeted that way because that was my goal if I made it you know to the 25 to you know kind of have as much paid off as I could and because I did that um, I I think I'm okay to you know stay in the state I'm in although if uh, health insurance keeps (laughs) skyrocketing I might have to go back to work.
0: So I that's an a thing that I think is really important is real estate because that's a nice little nest egg because it's it sucks with a mortgage because ultimately you're gonna end up over time paying way more. But in theory, you should you know come out ahead a little bit when it comes to selling the house. but I, I kind of worry where I'm at in uh, Iowa. I just I don't see the real estate market going too crazy in the next, you know, 30 years or so, um, depending on when I, you know, when my kids are all the house, I don't know if I'll need a house this big, but owning a house and having the house paid off is a uh, huge. And I know a lot of people will work those extra jobs to get their house paid off sooner. I feel bad for people starting now just because of, you know, the, the wages are higher, but the, the prices of a house are just incredibly high. Just for example, I think, like, the house I bought in uh, the city I used to live in, in Colorado, which I almost named, <laughs> I think when it was built was, like, 150 or so, and I bought it 30 years later, 40 years later in the threes, so it'd gone up quite a bit, and it pains me to say that right now it's in the fives. That's wow. fucking ridiculous. I, I love that house. It was a great house, and sometimes I'm sad we're not there raising our kids anymore. It ain't worth a half a million dollars. Half well, a million dollars in in Iowa, holy fuck! You don't have an entire farm and all your fucking equipment.
1: Well, I'll make you sick by telling you what mine was. Mine was sixty when I bought it, and mine would probably go for three fifty right now.
0: It's crazy. So that's,
1: and and I, but, and that's just it. It's like, I've thought about moving, but where am I going to move? I honestly, I can't, I, I don't think I can live any cheaper than where I'm at now, you know, with the pension check I have and everything. If I moved anywhere, I'd have to go get a job. And, you know, like I said, I'm not opposed to it, but right now mentally, I'm not there yet.
0: So that's, I to me, and, and I want to be very fucking clear as we go into this, I am by no means a financial advisor, okay? I just want people to kind of think about some of these things. So it, it's really easy to kind of think about like the here and now. But for me, the thing I'm really worried about beyond, you know, paying my bills is I'm going to be in my 40s pretty soon here. I don't have a retirement right now because uh the poorly made police memes doesn't, pay me a retirement. So I have to build that on my own. All right. I want to be able to retire. I don't want to be working until, until the day I die. I want to be done. Fifties, nice. I'm glad you pulled that off, but you know, mid 50, 60, I'd be good with that, but I, I don't want to work my entire life. I want to be able to enjoy the last few years of my life and do the things I, I want to do, which more advice out there, try and do those things when you're young, because you never know what's going to happen. But that's a story for another day. And we're going to keep it positive. So real estate, that's important. But for the people fucking coming on right now, I, I gotta be honest. I just, I don't know how high the house housing market can get any higher. So if you're buying a house right now for, let's use the example of the house in the fives I I have right now, I got to think realistically, it's probably worth being in the threes on the high end, at least in my opinion, it, right. I think it'll come down at some point. I just, I cannot imagine it getting any higher. Like it, at some point the bubble's got to burst, right? Am I crazy?
1: No, I think that as well. And I think you're starting to see on some of the high end homes, they're starting to come down a little bit. And to me, I think that's a sign of what's to come.
0: So let's talk a little bit about what Florida does for pension. Is it like a state pension for all cops or does it department to department, or how does it work?
1: Yeah, it it depends uh, where you are. Most of the sheriff's offices are state pensions. Where I worked, it was a city pension, Um, so we had a uh, 3.25 multiplier by the time I left. It's it's essentially, I would say, almost 75 percent
0: Okay. So at 25 years, you get 75% of your salary for how long? Until you die? Until you die. Look at that. Now you're one of the lucky ones and probably a really shitty example because I don't think a lot of people have those old pensions anymore. Do Do you know if the where you work still offers that?
1: They're still offering it. Wow. Um, I know there was some talk to change it at one point to a 401k. I don't know if they're requiring 30 now. I don't. I don't believe that's the case. I think it's still set at 25. And then I did a year in the drop. We have a three-year drop where I work, and uh, I didn't have it in me to do the the three. And people thought I was crazy, but I it just. I think you know when it's time to go, and and I knew it was time. So, you know, I did did a year. Um, I'm not, I worked fraud at one point, so I do understand some finance. Um, But some of the stuff I did, it was almost by accident. Um, Early on, I opened a Roth 401k and I put some stuff in there. Uh, You know, not a lot. And and that's what I would say to some of the younger uh, officers that are out there. If you have a four fifty seven, did did they have that in Colorado? Yeah. Four fifty seven accounts.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I actually—that's okay. the only one I didn't dump. I I forgot okay. how to get into it, but I'm—it's just going to be a nice little surprise when I'm okay. done.
1: Because when I got hired, the senior guys were telling me, you know, you got to open on your four fifty seven. You got and and I had every intention of opening that in my first year. I really did. I can't tell you why I didn't um i do know i bought my house at at 25 so that was you know pretty young to be taken on a mortgage and you know i was i was alone doing it so every dime was kind of going towards my home at that point but uh you know as raises came and things through the years uh I think the first thing was I I opened the Roth IRA again, still don't know why I didn't open the 457, but I would tell the younger people open that thing as quick as possible because it's a payroll deduction. And I always thought like, Oh, I could just deposit a big amount into that. Well, I mean, you can, if you want your whole paycheck to go into it and you're have the ability to do that. But at least here in Florida, where I was, it, the, the deposits that go into the 457 have to be a payroll deduction. So what I wound up doing by the time I opened that account, it was pretty late. If it, I got to be honest, it was probably like 2017, 2018 that I opened that account. And luckily I was in the position where I started dumping like $400 a paycheck. Um, but what I would say, because, and I did that because I came so late into it, but if you're a new officer, I don't care if you put $10 a paycheck in that account, do it, do it, do it, do it, because it will grow over your career and you're not going to miss that 10 or $20 a month. You're going to spend that at Starbucks, you know, just don't have that drink, you know, a couple times for a few weeks. No passion and- Right. And and by the end of, of your, you know, if you do the full twenty five or or even if you don't, if you decide to leave, you don't have to cash that account out. You can leave that money sit in there and it's going to flow with the market. So the market right now isn't real great. But, you know, if if you just leave that in there until you get to retirement age, I promise you, you're going to have money.
0: And it's. I know it's like everybody listening thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna do it." Just, just go do it because I waited a long time to enroll in mine, and that was. It's great advice. You're ten bucks, twenty bucks. You're not gonna miss it. You're not gonna even notice it with depending right. on what tax bracket you're in. You're and, not gonna even. And notice honestly,
1: it. depending on it, like my uh, four fifty seven was three. Like I said, it's a payroll deduction. So here's the other thing that I tell people to look at it from this standpoint. If you're bringing down your bottom line, like you're that money comes out pre-tax, so you're bringing down your bottom line. So therefore, the money that is being taxed by the government is less. So you're honestly not going to miss it. It actually helps you tax-wise.
0: And I really quickly, I wanted to talk about those that are in a four hundred one k. I I was in a four hundred one k. I and who knows, man, that that's a thing, depending on how my career went, if if I had a pension, if I would have rethought things. But the 401k is cool, depending on when you get vested, because it's your money and you can choose what to do with it. The problem with that is it's not guaranteed. If you happen to work 25, 30 years and the market, crashes right before you're supposed to retire, you're fucked. And I saw a lot of people stay that wouldn't have stayed because of some market crashes so you're kind of tied to the market a little bit which sucks when it's good it's good but i agree I, I mean
1: one of the other things that i did um and again you know i don't know if i would have been able to do this with a family and kids but a- as i you know at one point i made corporal so i was making a little more money than i had made through previous uh you know, years in my career and I started squirreling money away into the savings account because part of the problem when you retire at 50, you haven't necessarily reached those magical numbers to start pulling from these investment accounts that, you know, I have three different ones. I kind of diversified across the board and that was somewhat by accident. But um, I also started just diverting some money from my paycheck. And so I made a little nest egg for myself in a savings account. And, uh, you know, I, that's still in there and I can access it if I need it
0: real quick to go on a little rant about 401ks and pensions. And again, I'm not a financial advisor, but the nice thing about a pension is it's, it's supposed to be guaranteed money. There's been stories that I've heard of of it's supposed to be guaranteed and then all of a sudden, hey, we don't have any money, so your retirees are fucked. And that doesn't happen often, but I've I've heard of it. It's not supposed to happen, but I've heard of it. But what the nice thing about a 401k is that your money when you retire, you it's all yours. And you don't get like a portion of it. And so there, there's pros and cons to all of it. But th- there was kind of a lie that was told to many people in my department is you'll have a million dollars in your account after 20 years. That didn't happen. Right. did not happen for most people. And the only people that had that much in there was way after 20 years and and they did other stuff with it. And there's, there's people that are better with the money too, for sure. But for the most part, it's not just going to sit in there and magically become a million dollars unless the market is very, very good. So you think, think about that. Think about your contributions. And we had, huge contributions i think it was 11 percent matching which is huge tons of money All right and think about what it actually is going to be to retire i know that's kind of boring but is a million dollars is that gonna you know if you retire at 55 is a million dollars gonna get you through the rest of your life do you have bills to pay is your house paid off health insurance that's a huge one right
1: Oh, that, that is tremendous because, I, you know, I'll, I'll share this. Uh, I elected to stay on the city's policy um, when I retired. And, you know, so, but I, I don't get the benefit of that I'm an employee. I'm now paying a, a much higher rate for health insurance each month. And like each, each year it gets renewed. And of course, each year it kind of goes up a little bit. Now, when you're an employee, sometimes they, you know, will offset some of that cost. But as a retiree, I, I don't believe that's occurring. I'm, I'm still learning all the uh, ins and outs of this. But when the when the new letter came in to show what, uh, you know, the cost was going to be, I forgot that it was deducted out of my pension check. So I was deducting it out of you know, my gross each month. And I freaked out because I thought, oh my God, I'm going to have to go back to work. There's no way I can afford this. And then I realized, you know, the error of my mathematics. But that is a concern for me because, you know, I have a long way to go to get to Medicaid.
0: Everybody's like, this is boring. This isn't about police work.
1: Yeah, right.
0: This shit is important. I'm telling you, even as a young cop, you need to be thinking about this shit. When you buy the new truck with the lifted wheels for a hundred thousand dollars on a eleven year payment plan, you're really fucking yourself, okay? You don't need it. It looks cool, but then the, somebody could argue and have a valid argument. You know what? You live once. You want a big fucking lifted truck with nut sacks on it? Go for it. Agree. That, that is your choice I to make. I lived
1: pretty uh, conservatively, you know, fiscally conservative rather, and. You know, this last year has been a little interesting because I have allowed myself to spend a little more than I used to. And I'm still nervous about it. I'm not going to say that I'm not. But I, uh, you know, I've at least allowed myself to buy some PMPM merch and have a little joy with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the best way to spend retirement money is PMPM merch.
1: (laughs) For sure. It brings you a little happiness and you're not at the police department anymore.
0: <laughs> right. You know, your money's not going to a bad source. It's going to no, be you're helping part of it. You're helping
1: the future generation with their call.
0: Yes. Um, what do you think has been the biggest challenge for you in retirement?
1: I think just adapting to like I said, we you go from like a really high stress, tension filled type job. Not that there's not, you know, good times and laughs and things like that at work. But to just it's like all of a sudden I felt still like I would wake up and I'm like, I have nothing to do today. And the choices that I make for myself are my own. And that is. It's liberating. It's a wonderful feeling at first. Like the first couple of months, you feel like you're on vacation. And then it kind of starts setting in. And it's like, well, I don't have to go anywhere. I I can do whatever I want today. And I would say one of the challenges is I find that I'm wasting or what I feel is wasting a heck of a lot of time. And then like at the end of the day, I think, well, what did I do today? And the answer is not a whole lot, but I was happy doing not a whole lot. And so for me, it's been the challenge of telling myself that, you know what, that's okay. If I want to sit and, you know, watch Netflix for four hours, I can do that (laughs) and it's okay. But I, I have some guilt with that.
0: Some people are like, oh, you're retired. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't does I think retired is like a title you earn. I did not retire. I left. Um but people are like, oh yeah, it's great. You stay at home. And no, it's not.
1: No, no. There's there, you know, especially if you're home with kids. That that's a full time job.
0: Yeah, it's it is. And I, I not I'm not trying to turn this around and make it about me, but it just like today was like one of those days. Don't get me wrong. I love my kids. I love being around them. It's awesome. But I again I gotta give my, my shout out to the stay-at-home parents, especially those that, you know, do a part-time gig. It's tough. You know, kids need attention. They need things. And when you're trying to be creative and do work, it's tough. I'm gonna stop making it about me. I'm I'm sorry. I needed a little <laughs> no, therapy. No,
1: no. I I'm better hat, now.
0: Hat, but I have another tip of my, the... my passion tea. Oh,
1: there you go. I was gonna say hats off to the parents that do it, because uh You know, I only, I only do a little bit every once in a while with my nieces and you're not, you're not lying. I mean, after a week, I'm like, Oh my God, how does someone do this?
0: (laughs) How does somebody do this for that long? Why do people keep having more? (laughs) I think I talked about some of the retirement stuff. I didn't, I didn't want to bore people with all the details. And again, I'm, I'm very financially illiterate, but there's a lot of things you can do to help set yourself up for the future. And, And a little bit goes a long way. I got I got some advice once uh, there's a lot of accounts. Like I, I wish I could tell you exactly what it was, but it's I, again, no financial advice, but I don't know. Why I feel like I'm obligated to say that. I don't think I am. I <laughs> You see it on like YouTube. There's not financial advice. All right. There's, there's funds out there that aren't, aren't necessarily like a stock itself. It's like, there's one that's for the whole S and P 500 throw, you know, you can throw 50 bucks in there a week. S and P 500 usually goes up. You know what I mean? The top 100 or whatever. So there's things you can do. And it's, you know, it is kind of like a fucked up casino, but it's generally has better odds. We'd hope. But you can do things to set yourself up for the future. I mean, real estate's definitely one of those things, too. You live in one of those markets where you can get in on houses at a a decent price because all that is going to be, you know, I I knew a guy that I worked with and I got to be honest. It wasn't a cop job, but he's just like a uh, like a mechanic a maintenance dude and nicest guy as hell. And then I found out he was loaded. And the reason he was loaded is because he bought a fuck load of houses. Whenever he had enough money to buy a house, he bought a house and he owned like 10 houses and he rented them all out. They weren't mansions. They were shanties, but you know what? He had 10 houses and he's not paying the rent on him. And when he retires, he can sell all 10 houses and he's going to do just fine.
1: Yeah, I wish I would have been smart enough to figure out something like that early on. Like, yeah. I, I, I know it now, but I didn't. Get, I never received that advice. And I look back and I'm thinking, you just don't really lose in real estate.
0: I think a bunch of people are about to. I think yeah. people buying houses right now are going to lose. I yeah. could be wrong. I, I also thought that two years ago and the market still continued to climb. So what do I know? But, you know,
1: the other thing, too, is I I would say to the younger officers, I know part of the thing, like people would tell me to go talk to a financial advisor or go talk, you know, to someone obviously smarter than me. And I always felt very intimidated to go and do that because I just didn't want to look like a dumbass. And the reality is. Everybody has their specialty. I mean, that's what these guys do for a living and to go in and, and have them, you know, tell I have a financial advisor right now. I love this guy to death and I've gotten comfortable enough to, to say, I don't understand what that means. Break that down further or you're using terminology that are, are you even speaking English right now? Uh, you know, one of the suggestions that I have is every department has what I call a bean counter. You know, find the bean counter in your department. And if you're friends with that person, or even if you're not, everybody likes to hear themselves talk and ask them, ask them what they're investing their money in. Go find the guy that is on the pension board and go talk to him because you know what? He knows a lot about finance and he knows a lot about your pension and how to, you know, uh, work it towards your benefit for your retirement. So as a young officers, don't feel intimidated by that. You know, like I said, $10 a month, if you're throwing it in, it, it's going to pay off for you in the long run.
0: Yeah, seriously, stop doing a TikTok dance for five fucking seconds. we <laughs> talk to a financial advisor, okay?
1: Or, or go watch a YouTube on finance. <laughs> All
0: right, you ready for some of my dumb questions? I am. Um... What is the stupidest thing you ever did as a rookie?
1: There's many, but the one that comes immediately to my mind, and I was probably only a week or two out of FTO when this happened. But when I was in the academy, you know, long time ago, uh, it was just drilled into our head because there was a lawsuit, uh, ruling that had come down about, uh, somebody had won because the officer had put the handcuffs on too tight and it had done some damage to his skin and his nerves and so forth. So when I first went out on my own, I arrested somebody and he immediately started complaining that the handcuffs were too tight and his... Drunken stupor and of course me being a rookie and being a dumb rookie i also didn't have one of those real long handcuff keys i had the you know the little baby key that comes with handcuffs
0: i can't believe we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet the fucking stupid oh oh,
1: you're gonna love this so my little baby handcuff key was on my key ring that had my car keys on it and so stupid me I went to unlock or or loosen up the handcuffs and I wound up just taking one completely off because I wanted to, you know, re-ratchet around his wrist. But my stupid dumbass self, I still had the keys in my hand when I hit that handcuff onto his wrist. And the way I was holding them, the ratchet went through the key ring and I handcuffed my keys (laughs) onto the handcuffs onto the suspect
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and my sergeant was standing there at the time and my backup was there and my sergeant at the time was like an old school now I'm really dating myself hill street blues type of sergeant and I was just praying that he didn't see so I was you know like whispering to my backup, you know hey hey get Give me your cuff key. Hurry, hurry. So I got the cuffs off real quick and redid it thinking that, you know, my sergeant that had like 30 years on the job did not witness this, but of course he did. So the very next night when I went into roll call, guess who was uh, told after roll call that she was going to remedial handcuff training (laughs) (laughs) and told to go buy a longer key.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, showing up my first shift and I had, I had like a, my uh, it's own little key ring for it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: one of the senior guys was like, no, you need to go get a long key. And I was like, they have long keys. And he showed me his, he's like, yes, go get a long key. And I went to the police supply store the very next morning and got and one.
1: And then once they made those keys on the swivel at the top, I don't know what genius came up with that, but thank you heroes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what would you say is the proudest moment of your career?
1: Well, I think I have two. Uh the first one would be just honestly making it to the end. Um you know, my career I would definitely say ebbed and flowed and was a lot of ups and downs and there were certainly times that I didn't think I was going to make it. There were times that I didn't think I was going to make it to the next morning and uh just getting to the end and completing it i I was very, very proud of that because that's what i had set out to do was to uh you know join a department and to retire from the same department and you know i did that uh the the other thing that i was proud of and it's not I I don't know if proud's the right word, but um, I had something happen that's always stuck with me. And early in my career, as I stated earlier, I really uh, liked taking, and and of course, there were the the, uh, child abuse calls, uh, even in patrol, uh, much to many of my uh, uh, partners that were out in the field with me. I used to trade traffic accidents for child abuse calls. And um, so, I had one in particular where uh, Child Protection Services was removing the child from the house, and not only removing, but they had asked the mom to sign off on her parental rights. And it was quite the battle on that call. But I do remember talking to her for at, at a, a pretty lengthy uh, conversation as to what could happen and and you know why her daughter's life could potentially be better and you know she was a drug addict and she needed to get herself straightened up and and things like that and the person that her child was going to was a relative and had agreed to uh kind of like an open situation if she was able to get her life straight and so fast forward like 15 years later i was sitting having my meal And this person came up to me uh, while I was eating. And of course, you know, typical, like, you know, officer, can I talk to you for a minute? And I'm thinking, you know, oh, great, you know, what now? Can I just finish my meal? But she she told me, she says, I don't know if you remember me, but years ago, and she explained the situation I just uh, explained. And she said, I really want to thank you. She's like, It was the right decision for me to do that. And I did get my life straightened out and my daughter's in college and she did have a better life, you know, while I was getting turned around. And and even though I signed off on parental rights, I still get to see her as her mom and I get to flourish. And I wouldn't have done that without the conversation we had. So that meant quite a bit to me.
0: That's awesome. And that's honestly, that's what it's all about, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I'd never expected that. And I didn't recognize her when she first walked up to me and, you know, was a little skeptical of what does this person want and who is this person? And it, it, like I said, it's just always stuck with me because I, I, at the time, I never, ever expected that to happen. Or especially, I mean, my God, removing her kid from the house. I, I didn't expect a thank you on a situation like that.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of kids, and I know you didn't have kids, but would you encourage kids to get into law enforcement right now?
1: I think people should do what, you know, they really want to do with their lives. But that being said, I don't know how these new recruits are doing it. I I just I'm scared for the direction this is headed. So my answer would be no, I, I wouldn't encourage it. I wouldn't discourage it if they really, really, really wanted to do it. But uh, no, <laughs> you can you can find something better to do with your time and, and uh, not feel so eroded at the end.
0: We already talked about the best car and you know, it's about to happen. And I have a hard time asking a lady.
1: You know what, though? I, I'm one of the few that I, I'm going to I have the story and I'm going to admit it because it was so shocking to me when it happened.
0: Holy crap. You just confirmed that girl's poop in that shot Yeah,
1: scene. girl's poop. Uh, I was like, uh, well, do you want to ask the question officially?
0: <laughs> I feel guilty doing it because I'm a gentleman, but Dixie Normus. Have you ever shit your pants?
1: yes. It has happened to me one time, much to my surprise. So it was, uh, in my late thirties, it was after I had suffered a fairly serious accident that, uh, left me an accident, not being the poop itself, but (laughs) uh, I was involved in a car accident and this was, um, I was traveling to one of my follow-up appointments and could finally somewhat, uh, walk again and uh i made the mistake of thinking that my body was all back to normal and oh boy was i wrong so i stopped on my way to to the doctor's office of all places and i stopped because i had gotten up early and i thought well i'm usually not up this early i'm going to treat myself to an egg mcmuffin mistake number one
0: (laughs) huge mistake
1: Huge mistake. And this particular doctor's appointment was in another county. So it wasn't even like I was close to home. And so I got, you know, I was driving there and because I was so early, I parked in a parking lot and I was just, you know, listening to the radio and I had finished my egg McMuffin and my Coke. And honestly, I do not think my body was ready for that type of food yet. Cause I was still on a lot of uh, antibiotics and so forth, uh, dealing with the surgery, the post-surgery type of stuff. And uh, I was sitting there and I felt the gurgling and I didn't really think anything of it. Cause you know, I've eaten an egg McMuffin before and I've had gas before. And so I just thought that's what it was. And you know, the, the, the fart became a shark and, uh, <laughs> I had never experienced this in my life. <laughs> so I just remember sitting there thinking like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Like, it felt wet. I didn't know how bad it was. And <sighs> so <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's exactly it. And, and then uh, I think. <laughs> I think also just being a girl and thinking, like, oh my gosh, like, what what just happened to me? And uh, so I drove to a, this, I won't even name the convenience store, but I drove to a convenience store, uh, was walking in like I was an Oompa Loopa because I did not know to what extent <laughs> the damage was. <laughs> and went into the bathroom, and uh, I'll save you the description, but the needless to say uh i was quite messier than i imagined uh and my (gasps) underwear went right into the trash can but because it was so early in the morning there was nothing else in the trash can
0: oh no and so
1: so then i was like double shit because i'm like now what do i do because i mean this for a convenience store this restroom was very very clean and so Now I'm like just pulling paper towels like a maniac and stuffing them into the garbage can to try to just cover the evidence, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) And I just... I couldn't even like bring myself to buy a beverage or anything like I walked straight out of that bathroom straight to my car was praying that when I got to the doctor's office they didn't ask me to put on a gown and (laughs) that was it that's the one and only time it's happened to me but it was quite shocking. (sighs) Boy that escalated quickly (laughs) I mean that really
0: got out of hand fast (laughs) <laughs> Love it. Oh, that was really one of the better ones. <laughs> because you were so descriptive. It was I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I am slightly <laughs> grossed out because girls don't poop though. No, we don't. <laughs> Do you have any imparting words of wisdom after all of that for the millions of uh listeners of the podcast?
1: Uh I would just, you know, tell everybody the, the job is not easy. I mean, there's days that it's fun and there's days that it's really hard and it ebbs and flows certainly if you do a long career and you'll have times that you think you can't do one more day and when those times happen you know reach out to your trusted friends and lean on them uh to the people that are friends uh when you see one of your coworkers struggling uh don't just pick up the phone and call them. I mean, that that's a great thing to do. But sometimes people need more than that. And they won't ask for that help. Uh, I was one of those that would isolate myself when I was struggling. And uh, I just would tell people show up for each other. If that means going to your buddy's house and banging on the door, bang on that door. I mean, that person may not feel like talking. But just having somebody sit and watch TV or share a beer or, you know, drag them out for a meal or bring a meal in, that stuff matters. And, you know, especially nowadays with as hard as the jo- job is becoming, we need each other more than ever. So find your trusted uh, companions on the job or even outside the job and, you know, be there from one another, show up
0: absolutely Dix, dixie dixie enormous i appreciate all your time this evening this is a fun episode
1: oh i enjoyed it thank I, you so much for having me i
0: think uh i think we broke up the streak of negativity which you haven't heard any of them yet based on when we're recording but we got some really negative burners coming up it's gonna be great <laughs> Well, there, if there's...
1: anybody in my department figures out who this is on this podcast, which I think they will, they'll be surprised that I'm the one to break up negativity.
0: <laughs> Look at that. It's the year of retirement. So. It
1: is. My skin's glowing. I feel joy in my heart. I have no stress. There is life after police work, everyone. There is.
0: And the key is to start early so you can retire early.
1: Absolutely. Okay.
0: Or be like my fucking uh, dad and work until he, I'm telling you guys right now, and I know you guys just listened to the podcast with my dad, they will find him dead at work. He jokes about it, but it's going to happen because he's, he doesn't know when to quit. I love my dad. That may
1: be how he wants to go. So that's how he wants to go.
0: So that is, that is his choice, I think. But I love the job. I like making fucking podcasts, but at some point in my life, I know I'd want to be done and just to fucking relax.
1: Yeah. And, and doing it at, at 50, uh, you know, uh, my family members are mad because I'm the one that, you know, I have a cousin that retired fairly young, but I, I have beat the age limit and they're all pissed. And you know what? Too bad.
0: <laughs> and you're single and ready to mingle, right?
1: I am. I could be on one of your dating podcasts.
0: <laughs> Holy shit. Do you want to do it?
1: Oh, I would do it.
0: All right. Um, so anybody in uh you wanna give like a not like the exact area, but like I a... am
1: in the Tampa Bay area.
0: All right. Guys in the Tampa Bay area, now available for dating, and to be on the dating podcast. I'm gonna look for three guys <laughs> to do the dating game with uh Dixie Normis, which when you find out her name's Dixie Normous, that's gonna fucking that's that's gonna be the selling point right there. But if there's three guys that listen in the Tampa Bay area that want to be on the podcast to do the dating game, send me a message and it'll be great.
1: Awesome. So all much fun. Right.
0: All right. Well, with that said, guys, uh, that wraps this one up. As always, thank you guys for uh, taking care of me and letting me do this uh, terribly wonderful podcast. It's a uh, cool talking to all you guys throughout the country, being able to tell stories about, Shitting our pants and throwing uh, underwear away in gas stations. You cannot beat that. You cannot find that anywhere else on your uh, radio waves. I guarantee that. You want to support the podcast? You guys know how to do it. Click the link at the very end. Send me a couple bucks a month. It's it's not an investment like a uh, 457, except for me. And I will probably spend it wisely. Probably. And then, of course, we got all kinds of fun merch that Dixie knows all about and then uh, I got coins and fun stuff coming up with Ghost Patch and all that good stuff and obviously of course thank thank and patronize the great sponsors of the podcast because without them I wouldn't be able to do it with that said remember Florida man is real we've confirmed girls poop and I love most of you bye bye